a good garden in your heart. Oh, we're so grateful, so thankful for you. I think y'all know by now what Bob means to me, but it is my pleasure to um, offer Bob and Bob's ministry and gift to this house today to start this year off better than before. Um, Bob changed my life years ago and continues to change and transform my life and my thinking on a daily basis. I have the privilege of calling you friend. I have the privilege of calling you brother. I have the privilege of calling you father. I have the privilege of calling you my friend. You are all of those things at any given time. And that's just how God does stuff. He can be everything in all the ways, all the time. And you have meant so much to me and to this house. I know everybody loves you. I know everybody loves you. And we're just ready, ready to receive what you have today and to start our year off, 2024, off right. So, um, my phone's blowing up, sorry. Somebody, a friend of mine died, and, and um, yeah, I'll maybe fill you in on that later. Um, so the link that I wanted to do that was my gospel originally that I had prepared a couple weeks ago, um, and it's now on YouTube, and it's actually the only post I've ever made on YouTube that's actually open to the public. So um, we'll maybe figure out at least how we can get it to everybody, and you can watch it later. So for right now, I'm going to open it up on here, and I'm going to walk. Um, that's a joke for what money is. Oh, <laughs> left. Okay. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> um, so I want to I wanna open this up, um, post-opening, I guess that was my pre-opening, right? I want to start with um, a prayer, and it's mostly for me so that I give you guys exactly what you need in this moment. Okay, Father, I just thank you. Father, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. And I thank you, you know how much I love these people. You know, when I came here eight years ago and how you broke my heart open week after week as I looked around and I couldn't figure out why I was crying everywhere I was looking. And after six weeks, I finally got smart enough to ask you, why am I crying, Father, every time I look at anybody? And you said, I'm letting you feel how I love them. I'm just giving you a tiny taste because your heart would break if you could feel what I feel for them. But I'm letting you feel just a little bit. And so I thank you right now on this 10th anniversary of this beautiful, beautiful place. This sanctuary that you've created a safe place for all these beautiful people. And I thank you 
as I said, that I know you always hear me when I pray, and I know you answer me when it's according to your will, and I know it's your will to feed these people today. You asked Peter three times, do you love me? And in three different ways, in response, after Peter responded, Jesus said, well, then feed my sheep. That's, that's all you've ever wanted, Father. Our good shepherds who want to feed your sheep. And so I thank you, Father, right now. I thank you that you give me the words in this moment. Something that will feed these sheep. A message straight from you and from your heart. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Okay. Now you got to give me just a second. So... Put my convertible up. Um, Bonnie asked me to speak to you all, and I was so excited because I'm always, always wanting any moment I can. I love my three minutes with you guys, and I love spending the week just asking the Father for, again, another, another bite-sized meal that will um, make sense to you. And I do them to make sense to me. That's how I do them. Um, because the church for so long has seemed to fail us in giving us the gospel. It's absolutely so beautiful. And yet when people go to so many churches, including myself, I grew up in the church. I spent my whole life. My grandfather was a preacher. And I never heard the gospel. It took me decades to find out that everything that I'd been being taught had nothing to do with the gospel that, that Jesus came to give us. And so when she asked me, I've been going through in my mind over and over again, thinking, from three minutes to 20 minutes. What can I do in 20 minutes? But then everything that I could think of was three weeks. <laughs> and so I know that Bonnie's being tested as much as I am this morning in that song, the lyrics to that song, I will love you with all my heart, I will trust you with all my heart, because Bonnie's request was her heeding the voice of the Father, yet with her knowledge and knowing me, he can't do that. Bob can't give a 20-minute message if I give that to him. And that's kind of a joke, but it's kind of not. 
And so I know that with fear and trepidation, she's had ever since she asked me, and ever since she asked me, I've had the same thing. But it's because both of us love you guys so much. And everything that Bonnie does, her whole life, all the work that she does to pay herself because this church hasn't yet quite grown up to be a full-size church and been able to give her a full-time salary. So she's, she works and, and she has a family and she has a child that's, that's in the, you know, one of the many challenging phases and all those things require a lot of us. But at the core of everything she's doing, and I can already see all of you are nodding your head. You already know exactly what I'm going to say. She absolutely loves you guys. She, her life is a living sacrifice for you guys. It's hard. It's really hard to have a secular job and do what she does. I can tell you because I only get three minutes and it was, I, I was a full-time house painter and it was, it was hard just for that. But she does so much more than that. So uh, I had so many things that I wanted to share and they were so many story arcs of scripture, these beautiful story arcs that are all telling the wonderful gospel message. Because the three-minute one, I can only give you little ones. And so there's, there's so many that are these big, beautiful, from the very, from the garden all the way to this table. From the eating in the garden to the eating at this table. And I knew in my heart, I couldn't, I, I just kept going, I can't do it in 20 minutes. And Bonnie was like, I don't want you to do it in 20 minutes. I don't want, that's not what I'm wanting you to do for this message. I just want you to open yourself up a little bit more so that you guys can see my heart, why I do what I do. And even though it's very different from Bonnie, it's exactly the same thing. The Father has put me here and, and brought Kelly and I here eight years ago for you all. And I'm going to tell you how far back. Talk about story arcs. I was sitting there, and I'm like, all morning, I've been like, and even at 3 in the morning, the Father gave me another message. And, but then it turned out it was for me. Because when Bonnie said, I want you to be relational. I want you to show them your heart. And I don't want you, you can't just give them lots of scriptures. Because that's, that's just, that's, and I, and, and I was like, well, then I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I sent her, I said, I'm a calf at a new gate. 
anybody knows what that means. Because I'm, my whole life, anybody who knows me knows I meditate in the scripture all day, every day, and, and um, to find more about the gospel, about, because it all points to Jesus. It all points to this table. And I want to know more so I can share more with you guys because it's given me peace. So that story arc, the father said, tell him this story arc. Tell him how far back the story arc of your life goes because if you see how far back my story goes in the father preparing me for you, that will give you another glimpse into how much the Father thinks about you. So, way back, Kelly doesn't even know. She thinks I'm going to share one story about my dad, and it's actually the Holy Spirit gave me another story. said, I want you to share that story. And I'm like, okay. I thought the one was good, but that one's, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. So, when I was about 20 years old, I was at a church, and I led praise and worship for the youth group. It was a big church, 5,000 people. The youth group had 250 people in it. There were five just guitar players, and I was one of those five guitar players. We're talking a big church, okay? And... I had had a relationship with a girl in that church that everybody knew about for about a year. We were both youth leaders. And I was already out of high school. She was, I think, maybe just done with school. Yeah, she was just done with school because she was going to, she went to Boulder. But at one point, she finally knew, and I don't remember exactly how it came about, but she finally knew that I knew that she wasn't the one that God had told me, because God told me a long time ago that he had somebody for me. And I don't know if that's the same for everybody. I really don't. I used to think that. I have no idea. But I do know that the Father, in my case, set someone aside, probably because I'm so weird He's like, Bob, there's, there's, out of the billions of people, I could only find one that's going to be able to, to work with what, what, what you've got. And so since I was 13, I'd, all I wanted to do was I wanted to be a dad. In fact, really since I was a kid, I just wanted to be a dad. I wanted to, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have wife and I wanted to have kids and I wanted to love on my kids that was just I, I mean I didn't want to have I didn't want to be a rocket scientist I didn't I didn't really know what I wanted to be I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up but that's the one thing that I did know I wanted to, to be was a dad and a, and a husband so this girl came to find out she finally realized let herself realize that it wasn't you know that I knew that it wasn't her. And so she finally, we, we'd been together for a really long time and we'd broken up a couple times, but finally she broke up with me. And at that particular point, 
in my life, I didn't have a close connection with the Father, even though I'm in this big church, even though I'd been in church my whole life, even though I'd been reading the Bible since I, you know, cover to cover since I was 12 years old, wearing Bibles out every year, getting commentaries and started reading those. I was a weird teenager. It was like Bonnie when she talks about how that's just how we were built. And started, you know, studying Greek and Hebrew when I was young and and um, I was just weird. But all that, you can do that. This is this is the way that the the real Christian life is. You can be doing all that and 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 stop your relationship with the Father. And when you're not eating in that relationship, you your life can just literally go to hell. And you can fall into such a dark place that you can do what I did. So she breaks up with me and I tried then to get back together with her. But she was like, no, I have to be done because I have to protect my heart because now I'm convinced it's, you, you, you know that I'm not who you're intended to marry. And so this is killing me every time we get together and break up and get together. So through a friend, she tells me, she, she said, when she was like, why are you so grumpy at church? She was like my sister, this one special girl. And she's like, why are you so grumpy? And finally she goes, you know that Sally's never going to get together with you again, right? Are you clear on that? And I come to find out later the reason she was telling me that was actually because she liked me. And she wanted to be my girlfriend. I did. I did. Because I, I was like, I got to get married. I got to. So I'm dating and I'm checking them off in a little book. And it's like, nope. And next. And, uh, but I did have a couple of long-term ones in there. And this was one of them. So I didn't know what to do. Because now we've been together so long. And I'm like, I don't want to start over. Because it's like. Well, you, have you ever been there? You've dated somebody a long time, and you're like, now you're like, I know, I don't think this is really going to work long term, but I hate starting over. <laughs> and so maybe I, maybe I can make this one work. And so that's what I was trying to do. But she had to, and she did what was healthy for her. She did exactly what she needed to do. But for me, when my friend, this other girl, she told me, don't you know, Sally is never getting back together with you. Something in me broke. And I just came to realize, I'm like, you're right. And so now, all of my hopes, even though I knew this is not the right one, but you know how sometimes as humans, we just allow ourselves to have these, these disparate beliefs and try and hold on to them at the same time. This is not the right one, but I want this one to be the right one, and I'm going to somehow make this one be the right one, and I'm just going to, because I want that. I want that marriage thing over here. So I, when I heard that, what I was hearing was maybe at a minimum, it's going to be six months, a year before you're ever going to get there. And now that hope is pushed way off again. 
that I've been wanting since I was young. And it tried to talk my mom into letting me get married by 16 when I was 13. Because it was, it was, it was my reality. Y'all, I mean, maybe that wasn't yours, but y'all have had something like that, right? And it gets stopped. And as the scripture said, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that happened to me. My heart got sick, really sick. And so that day, it was a Sunday, and we had church Sunday nights. And I had been going to that church and being part of that youth group for six years because I'm two years out of, out of high school, and I started in high school. So six years I've been part of this. I never was sick. Like now, I'm hardly ever sick. And back then, I never got sick. So I had missed, I literally had never missed a Sunday night service in six years, ever. But the day, that day, Chris, that's her name. I just remembered her name. Chris had told me, Sally's never going to marry you. My heart gets broken. Hope is deferred. My heart gets sick. And I decide, I'm just tired. I'm tired of waiting. I don't want to wait anymore. And it, I had a belief in my heart. I knew enough about the real gospel that I knew that suicide isn't going to keep me from getting into heaven. And I still believe that. I know that. I could, I, and I, maybe one day I'll teach on that because it's, it's absolutely true. It's been, again, stupid things have been taught about that. So for me, I was like, you know what? That's my, with, I'm, and I have always feared death in an unusual way. As much as I knew where I was going, I don't want the dying part. Not just the pain, the dark, you know, whatever happened in the interim, I'm like, I don't even want that. But this pain was more painful than the, that fear. So, I got every pill in our house, and I said, when I do this, I'm going to make sure it can't be undone. So, I went around, and I found every pill that I could in our home, which my mom was a nurse, and she was actually, though, early, early on the bandwagon of eating healthy and taking good vitamins and things. So, most of our house was filled with vitamins and things, but we did have a, a big bottle of aspirin, big bottle. Remember those 2,000 bottles? And I started with that, so I took 2,000 aspirin, and it took about, I don't know, 20 or 30 gulps, because you know they're dry, and when you put a whole handful in and drinking it down, and then I started with everything else. There was vitamin C. Um, there was, you know, we again, we didn't have like drugs, and this is also, you got to remember, this is uh, 40 years ago. And then I thought, now I'm going to just stay home. And then they'll find me tomorrow. But that way, no one will be looking tonight. Of all nights, no one will be looking for me tonight because they just, by the time it starts, they won't know. It'll be over and it'll be done. But about 30 minutes before it's time to go to church, 
Chris, the same Chris who says Sally's never going to, calls me at home. This is back before cell phones. Calls me on the landline and asks me the craziest question anybody could ask me. After six years of never missing a single night, are you going to church tonight? And I was like, that's weird. Why are you asking me that? But I was like, now, like, seriously? And she said, just, are you, and I said, actually, I'm not. Well, now, she was being led by the Spirit, see? She said, the Holy Spirit said, you got to call Bob. You need to call him right now. And so she calls me, and I say, actually, I'm not. And she goes, why? And I don't even remember what I gave her as an answer. But she kept pressing me because she knows me. She knows I can't say no to my friends. Bob, just come. Is this still about Sally? Just come. Just come and we'll go out afterwards. We'll talk after. Just, but just, just come. Do you promise me you'll come? And she wouldn't stop until I finally said yes. And back then, even though this is all about to end, I'm like, I don't want to be a liar to my friend Chris. So I go. So I'm like, okay, I got to time this. I've taken this it's probably in about an hour. Something's going to happen. I'm not, my stomach wasn't doing that much. It was minutes after she calls that I'm like, okay, I knew I had to go. I get over there. I don't remember why, but we didn't do the music like we normally did. So I wasn't up front. So there was none of that. And the youth minister... He gets up and he goes, Ken Glacier, still remember him, because after this, he and I became really, really good friends for about two years. He, he watched over me like a mother hen for two years to make sure this didn't happen again. And he said, we're going to do something different tonight that we've never done in youth group before. We're going to do what they did in the early church, and we're going to pray for one another. And so he said, so if you have something that you want us to pray for, you raise your hand and we're all going to, somebody is going to pray for you. And if, if no one near you, one of your friends knows to pray, then we're going to have one of the leaders. So you guys get, we get accustomed to this. This is going to be a regular thing. We're start doing like they did in the early church when they prayed for one another. And so I'm like, now I got to get through this. But I was just like, I'm just, I went to the very back. I'm going to be quiet. I didn't say anything. And all of a sudden, towards the end, they'd gone through and they'd prayed for all these people. And all of a sudden, Ken goes, yes, Bob? And I was like, what? And I looked and I realized my hand was like this. And I swear, I do not remember putting my hand up. And he goes, what is it? And then... It was like some, someone else took over. I, we were all laying, you know, we're in this huge room, carpeted room, the upstairs, big one of the big upstairs 
rooms of the church. It was all covered in carpet, and everybody would just sit on the ground because, you know, we're kids. We can do that. And so then I get up, and I'm walking up front. And I'm going, what are you doing? No, this is ruining the plan. So I get up there, and I, there's a chair there, and I just pull this chair over, and I set it down, and I say, well, I just want to tell everybody out there, be really careful. I'm looking at all these faces, you know, like I'm looking at you guys. And it was all these high schoolers, and some of them, like the cheerleaders, are still wearing their cheer things because some of them, you know, everybody would come with, you know, from whatever activity. 250, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of kids. And I said, be very careful what you say to somebody because you have no idea how fragile that person might be in this very moment. And your words might either bring life or death to them. That's pretty good advice. But I just heard, heard me saying that. And then I said, and so then Ken, I, I don't exact, remember exactly what happened, but at some point, Ken basically asked me, what, what did you, is it that you want us to pray for? And I said, well, I have taken about 30 or 40 handful of pills about a half an hour ago. And so I, I am in the midst of attempting to kill myself. And so he, and he said, let's everybody pray for Bob. Well, everybody knew me. I'd been there for six years. So a lot of these, you know, all the kids from in every age group in high school knew me. All of them, because I'd been there already. Um, before even most of them had ever been there. And so suddenly, all, especially the girls, they were just like running up. <laughs> they were all crying. You know how high school girls can be. And they were all, and Ken prayed. And he, I don't even remember the prayer, but he said something and thanked Father how much he loved me. And, and then he said, Bob, you're going to need to go with these two guys. He called two of his senior guys and one of them, they had all kinds of people from the church that helped with the youth. One of them was a police officer, fully trained in all this kind of stuff. And another one was a fireman. And so he says, they're going to go down. You go down with them and just talk with them for a few minutes. And he's like trying to, you know, like, okay. And so, <laughs> so they take me down and they're like asking me questions. Now, did you, did, is that what you said? Did you really do that? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, why would I, why would I lie about that? And they go, okay, well, and they'd already called an ambulance. And they'd also found out and called my mom. And so my mom shows up right as the ambulance is getting there. Take me to the ambulance and they take me down and they, you know, give me five, I remember it. They bring in a six pack of Sprite. And they're like, start taking these. And they, and then they give me, somewhere in there they gave me Ipecac and they bring in this bowl about this big. Because the doctor had decided when I, he said, what have you taken? And I start telling them and they go, okay, well we need to get, then we need to go ahead and get most of that out. And and I won't go into the details, but this giant bowl was with after five Sprites I drank. I still don't know how I got five Sprites in my body, but. And the reason I tell you that is because sometimes different people, and I don't know why, you know, God in, in one sense, I don't know why God chose me, and I didn't for the longest time, to be one of those people that he kind of decided, 
I've given you guys freedom, but sometimes I'm going to intervene. And in my case, he intervened in a huge way. It was a total miracle. Would you agree? That she calls me and demands that I go, knowing me. And I went. And then I stood up and I did all the things that I did, which made no sense. And so for the longest time, I couldn't understand. I kept saying, Father, I don't understand. But it ended up being that then the, again, without going into a huge long story, the state back then, which like in a lot of states, I had to go to counseling for a year. You know, when you do that, that was part of the Colorado state law. And they let this woman who was a member of our church who counseled people be that counselor because that's how they worked back then. They would do that. And this woman at a Presbyterian church was a super unbelievable seeing more of the spirit realm than she could see of the physical realm spirit-filled believer worked with me every Wednesday for a whole year and I, I could I could do 10 hours on what she taught me but she told me that the reason that the father had saved me was because there was a group of people that needed me way out there. And so it was so important that I live because there was something and some things that I was going to be able to share with some people one day that was going to be the only voice and give the only messages that this particular group of people were going to be able to grasp and open their eyes and see the Father in a miraculous, true, jump up and down till you pee your pants gospel kind of way. So that's how much the Father loves you guys. He saved a skinny little kid who was, didn't have any, didn't, I hardly had any friends. I was odd. he knew that there was a group of people that one day were going to need to hear some of the things that God had shown me about how beautiful he is. And that's you all. So I do want to share one scripture. And this will be confirmed when you watch my video this week on bottoms. John 1, 17. So then a life struggling under the weight of trying to be good, to get good, 
from an impatient God came through the servant Moses. But the truth of receiving the gift of life from a gracious, kind, and loving Father came from the Son, Jesus Christ.